This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Karen Friedland is a recovering corporate workaholic turned author and life coach. She helps clients reinvent their lives and turn dreams into reality through her signature program called Edit Your Life. She has a tell-all memoir book, and I want you to listen to this title, and, and then I'll explain it. It's called The Ins and Outs of My Vagina. Stop. This is not a sexually explicit show. It's not about sex. It's not a vulgar show. This show is safe for the family, okay? It's for the. It's just a body part, folks, okay? So we're not going to say vagina over and over again, but I just want you to know the title of her book is The Ins and Outs of My Vagina. Karen, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> I Did I do justice with describing your book there? I have to tell you, it's so funny because my editor is also a male. And so every time he tells someone the book title, it's so funny to hear it come out of a male's mouth. <laughs> yeah, I just want to make sure people understand when I read the bio, it's not my vagina. Okay, just so we're clear. Uh, it's just the title of Karen's book. And, you know, when we first had this call, the pre-interview call a couple days ago, yeah, I'm like, I don't know, vagina. And then you said, it's just a word. And it's not like you weren't like a prostitute. No. Right? You weren't a prostitute. Okay. So, no. so it has nothing to do with sex. It's just a body part. But let me tell you something. As I was thinking, I was talking to my wife about what am I going to call this episode? I, I'm going to put, I think I'm going to put the title of the book in there. The reason why is people are going to go, what in the world could this episode be about? Now, I may change my mind by the time we get to the end of the show, but I, I, it's the hook to get people in. So, so let's start, let's address the elephant in the room, Karen. What's sure. up with the title of your book? <laughs> yeah. So, actually, the original title was I Don't Know My. V word. We'll use V word just for little, little ears and listeners. <laughs> um, and it was really a culmination of the past 40 years of my life and these mishaps and misadventures that I've had with this body part. And I feel like most men kind of understand their bodies, right? They know what makes them tick, how it works, what it's going to do, generally speaking. But women, it is very much this like hidden, elusive unicorn that sometimes does one thing and in the exact same settings and conditions does something totally different another time. And it is a big enigma for both sexes, right? For men and for women. And so a lot of my life was spent feeling alone. Like I'm the only one these things are happening to. My body's weird. I'm gross. This is you know, wrong, I shouldn't feel this way, or I'm broken. Why don't I, you know, experience things that other women experience? And so it was a source of frustration for so many years. And when I was pregnant with my first son, so I have two boys, they're now 10 and 11, um, which is interesting. We can, we can talk yes, about that's that. That's an entirely separately. different show right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, you know, when I first had my son, I, the doctor had instructed me to prepare my body for the birth, which involves some olive oil and stretching out parts of your body. And I was like, uh, thanks for the advice, lady, but no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I like walked out of the doctor's office thinking, this lady's lost her mind. <laughs> well, of course, you know, 
I got bored on a Friday night or something while my husband was at work and figured maybe I should try this. And of course, it was a disaster. I mean, olive oil was going everywhere. Nothing was working. And my husband came home from work and he goes, what happened in the bathroom? Where's all, what's all this olive oil? And I'm like, uh, I tried this thing. And he was just like, Karen, you know what you should do? And I'm like, what? I'm expecting some like medical advice. He's like, you should write a book and call it I Don't Know My V because it is clear you have no idea how this thing works. <laughs> I thought, that's stupid. That's a dumb idea. Who would want to read about that? What would I even talk about? And I have to tell you, over the next few weeks, this seed had been planted in my head and I started going, well, there was that time or that time or what about that story? And next thing you know, I got a 310-page book. Wow. It's crazy. Wow. Now, the book is obviously not about your vagina. Your book is about what? Well, it it, it kind of is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it kind of is. Um, but it's all the mishaps and misadventures. And actually, um, there is a character in the book named V. And so she is this sassy, like, you know, no holds bar, always getting me into trouble character. And it looks at everything from, you know, puberty all the way through having babies and all of the experiences that we've had. It is about more than just that, right? I mean, I'm looking at things that women don't talk about generally, like ectopic pregnancies. You know, I lost um, our first baby and that was horrible. And I told no one. Mm -hmm. I went through that whole process basically with me and my husband and only my parents, I think. I don't even know if we told his parents knowing about it because I could not talk about it. I just didn't even know where to start. And I didn't want people to feel sorry for me or, you know, I just, I didn't want to give that burden to other people either. So I went through it alone and I've kind of said now, you know, we need to talk about these things. We need a safe space for women and men because we, you know, my husband went through this experience as well to talk about these things and not make them so taboo and uncomfortable for people. So that's, you know, maybe the bigger purpose of writing this book is to help people not feel alone, shed a little light on what it's actually like um, to be a woman uh, and and just get these conversations going. And it's not just women. I mean, people, there are so many people who are feeling alone. This happened before COVID hit. They just are alone. And it's one of the things, uh, one of the reasons why I share my story. Now, if this is the first time you've ever listened to my show, thank you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, in July of 2005, I was fired from my corporate job. And, and I tell people that story to tell this part of the story. From July 2005 until the end of 2020, I made a total of $40,000. Not a year, total. And I have a very loving and supportive wife who believes in me and goes to work and I maintain my business. Now, why do I tell that story? Whenever I share that story on social media, I get so many DMs and comments going, I thought I was the only one because people don't want to share their stories until they become the Gary Vaynerchuk or the Oprah Winfrey's or the Elon Musk. But everybody starts at zero. And I want to tell people, if you're listening to this conversation right now and you feel alone, maybe you had a a, a bad pregnancy, you lost your job or whatever the case may be, your child's in jail, you're not alone. 
you know, my dad's going through yep. this right now. He's 80 years old. My mom's 76 and she's got late onset Alzheimer's. She's a three-year-old. Okay. And I tell my dad, you're not the only one that's dealing with this. And I think the loneliness aspect in our world across all spectrums is very real. And I want people to know, no matter what you're going through, I promise you, you're not the only one in the world going through it. Amen. And it's so funny because my number one blog on my website is the inside view of a midlife crisis. Mm. And I shared so many intimate details about how I had full-on panic attacks in the middle of the night. I would wake up, go to the bathroom, and because it was so dark, I didn't want to turn the light on because, you know, it would hurt my eyes. So I would just go in. We had like a really low dim setting, so you could just barely kind of see. And I would have this feeling, for some reason, my mind would wander towards death. And what will it be like when I'm gone? And suddenly this wave of darkness would come over me and I would almost feel as if I was floating and I were gone and everything around me would go black. And it would terrify me, absolutely terrify me. And I would be standing in the mirror after I washed my hands, sobbing silently because my husband was just outside the door, Mm. sleeping in bed. And I didn't want to tell him. What was I going to say? Like, I'm having a mental breakdown. I'm completely losing it. So I would sit there and try to tell myself, get it together, wipe your eyes. Like you cannot sit here and cry. Like you can't control it. Like you got to let this go. But every night, like clockwork, it happened, it would happen, it would happen. And every morning I would wake up and put a smile on my face and try to go to work and get through the day feeling like I'm wasting my life. I have this finite amount of time here and I'm making PowerPoints every day to justify my existence. This can't be why God put me here. Like, please tell me that's not why God put me here, right? Wow. And that was hard. But sharing that story, I've had so many people, same thing, DMs, reach out to me. This is how I'm feeling. This is exactly where I'm at right now. And I don't want anyone else to ever go through it because, and I know there will be people who go through it, but Mm -hmm. it's horrible. I mean, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. It was that bad. Wow. Now I have this theory. I'd like to know your thought of it. Um, I okay. believe Pareto's principle is alive and well. In other words, 80% of the people are struggling financially, building their business, building their brand, you know, living life. 80% of the people in the world, 8 billion people are struggling and only 20% have it figured out. So Pareto's principle, in my opinion, is alive and well. Do you agree with that? Hey, you, listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast, thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Absolutely. And going into the coaching field has been really interesting because I personally feel there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. You go on Clubhouse and everyone will tell you how they're doing six-figure days, six-figure launches. Well, let me tell you what. I've been coaching since September of 2021. Or no, excuse me, 2020. You've been coaching from the future. This is, I'm talking to someone. (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. I've arrived from the future. (laughs) Well, with COVID, I can't keep any of my years straight. I don't know where I am. So yes, we're in 2021, but this was September 2020. When I started, and I'm telling you, it's a daily grind. Mm -hmm. I don't have clients just banging down my door yet. Yet. I love the word. Yes. Yes. 
It will happen, but it takes time. I'm not doing, you know, $24,000 days. I'm not having uh, 50,000 people show up for my master class, you know? And I, I would like to be real with people because I think the more we fake it, the harder and the worse everybody else feels because they think, yes. well, then something's wrong with me because that's not happening for me. Yes. You know, it's funny that I have become so jaded now with all these people saying, I'm killing it. I'm making all this money. And I just had this thought about six months ago, and I've never asked someone yet who brags and said, open up your iPhone or whatever phone you use, open up your bank and show me one account with a million dollars in it. Because I guarantee yeah. if I asked that to Mark Cuban, he would do it. If I asked that to Tony Robbins, he would show me just one account with a million dollars in it. Because yeah. that's where the rubber meets the road. You can tell me you're killing it, but show me your, your banking app and show me you have money. And, you know, it's okay if you're not making money. Because guess what? Most people are, you know, figuring out how I'm going to pay the mortgage, how I'm going to pay the tuition for college, how I'm going to feed my family. That's real life. And I think if you're living in some kind of alternate reality that, you know, everything is unicorns and butterflies and then everything's fine. You're kidding yourself because yes. if you watch the high performers, Brendan Burchard, Dean Graciosi, you know, Mark Cuban, they're hustling. They don't sit here and take things for granted. Damon John's another guy I'm a big fan of. They hustle every day. So if they're hustling every day to maintain their wealth, what makes you think you can just phone it in a couple days a week? It's all about hustle. Now, I, I say that, but I don't think you should work 12, 15, 16, 17 hours a day because you need, yeah. I think you'd have a balance. You need to work hard and you need to play hard. Okay. So this, we can unpack a lot here because I have a ton of thoughts on this. And I think you're, you are spot on in many respects with the hustle. And if you want success and you have a goal and a dream, then you have to build out a plan to get there. Right. Nothing happened. There's no career fairy. There's no fairy that popped down and said, oh, you wanted to write a book, Karen? Great. Here it is. It's complete for you. Right. You have to work towards it and build a plan to success. I had to come home from my day job and set aside 15 to 20 minutes a day and go, you know what? Mommy needs 20 minutes to work on her book. OK, guys, you read, entertain yourself. I don't care. I'm going upstairs to fulfill my dream. Mm. But I was tired, you know, I, I was exhausted from my day job. I, I had baseball games I had to bring them to or whatever else. But you know what? It's prioritization. And when you have a dream that you actually want to make come to fruition, there is always time for that. There are a million things we can cut out of your calendars. There are a million boundaries we can put in place to refocus your time and energy. What I want to see people brag about which I kind of do on my Instagram these days, um, is work-life balance, is enjoying your life. I was miserable making six figures, you know? Yeah, I had a Benz in the driveway. Yeah, I had a nice house. I had two healthy boys. I had a pretty good marriage when I wasn't ignoring him or the kids for work, you know? But I had many things to be thankful for, and I was miserable. So I don't, even if you do have a million dollars in the bank, I want to know, are they happy? Do mm. they wake up every day and experience gratitude and feel grateful for what they have? I'm happier now making less money working four days a week because I built my dream life. You know, I don't work Fridays. I love to post pictures of me at the pool on Friday <laughs> or, you know, going out to lunch or whatever, living my dream life because 
that is the shift that we need people to take. What do you define as success? Maybe having a million dollars in the bank is success for some people. Okay, do you know what it takes to get there? Yeah. I do. I was chief of staff for a year. I spent, you know, time on the corporate jets with the executives. I spent time away from my family traveling to different locations. You know, I spent nights working until 8 p.m. in the office and then coming home and being on the phone at midnight with people to get a presentation ready for 8 a.m. the next morning. I've done that. I don't enjoy it. I want the listener to make sure they understood what you said. You made six figures, had a bend in the driveway, and you weren't happy. Because people say, oh, the grass is greener on the other side, which you don't realize they painted the grass, okay? And they have grass. (laughs) So let's be honest here, okay? I love how Gary Vaynerchuk says it's not about the money. It's about happiness. He goes, Mm -hmm. if you make $50,000 a year and you don't have a really great house, but you're happy because you get to see your kids grow up and spend time with your spouse and you're happy, that should be the goal. People, and I got caught in this. I'm 56. When I was in my 30s and 40s, I want a million, 10 million, and a billion dollars. And I, I hope I make that kind of money because one of the things I learned from Grant Cardone is when you make a lot of money, you can help a lot of people. Okay. Yeah. But it shouldn't be, okay, I'm going to destroy my relationships and everything around me to make the money because you just said when you made six figures and had a bend in the driveway. You ignored your husband, you ignored your kids, and you weren't happy. And people don't talk about that. They only talk about, oh, my gosh, you have a fractional ownership of NetJets. But that doesn't make you happy. No. And that was the thing is the relationship piece for me. And I had forgotten even who I was. Mm. I was such a workaholic. I literally could not put my phone down. I, I reported for a while into a team in the U.K., And before I even got out of bed, the first thing I did was turn on that email, open up my email and see what emails have come in for the last five hours from the UK. And instantly my day was ruined. Oh, they want me to make this report now. Oh, now I got this thing on my plate. Before I even got out of bed, my whole day was tainted just by looking at that email. And that's, you know, a huge practice now. I don't do that anymore, right? I don't look at my email before I get out of bed. I don't open up social media before I get out of bed, right? I wake up, I have my daily gratitude practice, and then I can look at what's coming. You know, a lot of people don't get that. And they always ask me, you know, Mark, what do you do first thing in the morning? So when I wake up in the first morning, first thing in the morning, my priorities are read the Bible. I read the Bible every day, cover to cover, and I write yep. my gratitude journal. But the very first thing I do and I want you to listen very carefully because I'm very disciplined. I do charge my phone next to my bed because I have elderly parents. And if they, something happens, they have to get a hold of me. Right. Okay. So I get up. The first thing I do is I open up my phone. I check Apple Podcasts because I'm paranoid. Make sure my new episode came out because I have a daily podcast. <laughs> then I go over to Spotify and I share my episode on Instagram stories and Facebook stories. Then put the phone down because I want to push it out to the world. I don't check yeah. Facebook. I don't check Instagram. I don't check TikTok. I just push my podcast out. Then I go read the Bible. That's what I do. And what people don't understand is when you are checking email and social media, first thing you are, and I know this is not politically correct, so don't read too much into it. You are the slave to everyone you're reading, the emails, yeah. the DMs, the comments, the posts. You are being subservient to them. And like you just illustrated, it's already, you just woke up. You just woke up and now your whole day is shot. 
Have you had enough or are you hungry for more? You can find more of Mr. Productivity on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. All you have to do is go to those apps and search for Mr. Productivity. Two words, Mr. Productivity on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Yep, exactly. And this is one of the forms that, you know, I try to work with my clients on to take your power back. Mm -hmm. You have power. And for so many years, I lived my life in the driver's or the passenger seat. I was just, oh, someone needs this for me. Okay, let me figure out how to make it happen. Oh, somebody wants me to do this committee or be a part of this at the school. Okay, I guess I'll do it. But it was never really thing. I was never driving. I was never saying being intentional about my time and my day and what I actually want to accomplish. So it's really easy to get dragged into a million different directions and go, what am I doing with my life? Who am I? It's really <laughs> And here's the thing. Here's the thing. We are not that important. Okay. If you're landing a plane in a war zone or you're doing brain surgery, you're kind of really important. But the rest of us mere mortals, which is like 99% of the people, if not more, we're not that important. You don't need to check email first thing or your Stripe account or your PayPal account or your social media. You're not that important. I'm not that important. Okay. What I encourage you to do is if you don't read the Bible, read something inspirational, write in your gratitude journal. And like Karen said, start the day on your terms. Yes. Yes. And then live your life on your terms. Yes. Like, let it spill over into the rest of your life so that you can really dictate what this looks like for you. Mm -hmm. My wife sells cruises for a living. So you can imagine the last year and a half was really hard for her because she didn't have a job. She was on unemployment because no one could cruise. Well, two days ago, they sent out an email saying, we're going to have a corporate meeting via zoom on Thursday morning, yesterday morning. And, and she goes, Oh no, she goes, they're going to, they're going to say you, if you don't get vaccinated, cause we don't get vaccinated in our house. If you don't get vaccinated, you can't, you know, you can't work anymore. Turns out it was like, Hey, business is booming. And they're like, why didn't you ever, you knew everyone's thinking about the vaccination. And I think the CEO should have said, look it, let me just address the elephant in the room. We're not going to require vaccinations to work here and then go on right. with businesses booming. But everyone's like on edge. They're all on there's they're on the computers. And my wife goes, that was it. They could have sent an email out to tell everybody that the business is booming, but they've never had a company wide meeting and it freaked the whole company out. So can you imagine from the time she got that email on Tuesday all the way until Thursday morning at 730? She's like, oh, my gosh. And she's talking to her coworkers. What are they going to talk about? Are we going to lose our jobs? You know, the company didn't need to do that because everybody was on edge and they could have approached it completely different. And so if you're a leader listening to the show, be thinking about when you send that email out, if you think people are concerned about A, but you're going to talk about B, maybe in that email saying, look, we're not going to talk about A, don't worry about it. So people don't have to worry about it because What's going to happen is going to affect their productivity because they're going to be worried. Are we going to close the company in two days? What's going to happen? And I think people need to think about the communication because if you want people to be productive, but they wonder what's going to happen in two days, well, your productivity is going to go in the toilet. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you are preaching to the choir here because I worked for two companies that couldn't have had different stances on how to communicate <laughs> sensitive things. So the first company I worked for, it was a surprise. You would come in one day, you'd get a 
invite for about an hour out and then boom, they'd be like, we're reorganizing the whole company or this many jobs are being eliminated. So you literally didn't have any time to really speculate or stress or get the water cooler chit chat going. The other company I worked for would announce layoffs and cuts would be coming and reorgs would be happening five, six months. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I would just sit there and watch and go, this is not a best practice, people, but I, it's above my pay grade, apparently. And I the amount of productivity that was lost, the amount of water cooler chit chat and time spent speculating and stressing out was astronomical, astronomical. <laughs> and so I couldn't agree with you more leaders. It is so important that you get communication right because the stress is unnecessary. Mm, it and, is. But that's part of, again, be, uh, the individual, the employee being in the driver's seat, having a backup plan. Yes. You know, I knew when I started writing my book, I got a backup plan. I'm not going to have to make PowerPoints for the rest of my life, <laughs> but the money that's coming in now is going to fund my dream. It's going to pay for my editor. It's going to pay for my PR rep. It's going to pay for my website and whatever else I need, my photo shoot and all those things. So I could then appreciate my job in a new way and get through those final stages until I could leave. Okay. Final question for you. Well, not the final question, but the last question before the final question, I guess the final, final question is edit your life. What's that all about? Yeah. So this is a process actually that I used. I didn't know it was a process at the time. <laughs> we never did. We, st- we find out as we go along. <laughs> totally. But it was the process that I used to get out of my midlife crisis. It was the four steps that I took to completely revamp my life. And so um, I actually have a masterclass on this. So if people want to check it out, we can give them some details at the end. But um, E stands for envision your goal. The D is for document it because let's be real. If it stays in your head and you never get it on paper, it's just a dream. And that's why I always focus on, you know, kind of my tagline of like turning dreams into reality because we're going to take that big lofty goal that you envisioned that you don't even know how to bring to life and we're going to build a plan to get there. And then I is all around focusing on investing, investing your time, your energy, your resources, mapping out your network, figuring out who can help you bring this to fruition. And then T, I know this is really rocket science, but it's take action. (laughs) Because that is the biggest gap, honestly, for most people. And that accountability. And that is one of the things that I think we all need in our lives if is if we aren't able to hold ourselves accountable, we need a partner that can help do that for us. I, I love I that vision. Sorry, go ahead. You first. And then I'll, I want to ask you about vision boards. Well, I just say that I love documenting. And one of the things I've done, I've tried all the apps. Now I don't have it in front of me here. Mm-hmm. I went to a bullet journal and the reason why I love the bullet journal is number one, it requires no electricity. I use, I go out and buy these waterproof archival fade proof pens. And in the bullet journal, if you're not familiar with it, you just write one or two lines. You don't write like 16 pages. And what I find is that the, the more I do bullet journaling, which also is my gratitude journal has all my planning for my live training mm-hmm. is you can go back and read it like a book. I don't have to worry about, oh, I had all my notes on this app and they went out of business. I, I have these and they're gorgeous. I buy moleskin. I buy really good notebooks. But 
I think it's important to document because how many times, listener, have you gone, oh, where do we go that restaurant last summer? You didn't take pictures. You didn't document it. Now you're like, oh, it started with a B. No, a T. But if you documented, now that's that's a personal example. You can document your business when you got your first client, when you hit a certain milestone with your podcast or certain number of followers on your social media. If you document it, then when you go back and read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember this day. But if you don't document it, you're like, oh yeah, I did it sometime in the last couple of years. So I just want to give you kudos because I think document is so important. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And it's funny because when I talk about take action, I, I think about my first vision board. And I, did you ever make a vision board? I did. I don't have one now. Uh, I okay. should. I know I should, but I haven't had one in a couple of years. Yeah, I have one. It's right up in my office next to me. So I look at it every single day. But my first vision board, this was probably like 2007 or eight, And I put a big lotto ticket on it. <laughs> and I was so excited. And I ran into the living room and I was like, babe, babe, you know, that's my husband now. But um, I was like, I got it all figured out. We're going to win the lotto. <laughs> like it's on my vision board. It's happening. <laughs> And he's looking at me and he's not getting real excited. And I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, come on, I got it all figured out. And he says really seriously, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, okay. He's like, do you play the lotto? (laughs) And I was like, well, uh, no, I do not. I do not. Um, Touche. And his whole point to me was, well, Karen, that's great that you put this on a vision board. But if you're not actually going to take any action and help yourself, you are not going to win the lotto. So if this is really your goal, which is a fine goal to have, but you better walk down to the bodega and buy yourself a whole bunch of lotto (laughs) tickets and start scratching. And I wasn't willing to do that. So it had no place on my vision board because I was never going to take action. You know, so now my vision board looks much differently, like family, God, for me, because that, that's my um, faith. Uh, there's a picture of my book that is going to, you know, the cover and it says bestseller above it, you know, and nice. it has, um, we have been talking to some producers about maybe making it into a TV show. So I've got Netflix and uh, HBO and SAG and all these other things that are kind of related to that on this vision board. But that means I'm taking action every day to make this a reality, right? Like I hired a PR person. I'm going on podcasts to talk about my book to generate hype before it launches. Like that's the work you have to put in if you want that goal and that dream to come true. Well, you got me inspired to do a a vision board. So I just want to let you know that I always learn from my, my guests. So here is the final question. Where can we go to find out more about you and the dent you're putting into the universe? Thank you. Yes. Check out KarenFreeland.com. And it's Karen with an I, K-A-R-I-N. Um, and also on Instagram at Karen Freeland. You know, that's where I do a lot of my posting. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Karen Freeland. And I have a Facebook page, Karen Freeland Life Coaching. So you can pretty much find me on all the major platforms. Excellent. Well, I'm thank- so thankful that you were on the show today to share your story. And I learned a lot. I know my listeners did. So thank you again. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up absolutely free, just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.